points. Chris Coleman with a monumental effort here at High Sits Arena. leagues in the world outside the NBA. Hashtag see incredible. Hashtag see incredible. Hello everyone. Welcome back to the uh, NBL News podcast. This week we have a very, very special guest, a uh, former United legend, I would say, a, uh, the face of Sportsbet <laughs> um, and many other things. The great Felix von Hoff joins the podcast today. Thank you for coming on, Felix. No worries. Thanks for having me. And uh, yeah, the, the face of many things that we probably can't mention on a podcast, but yes, no, no, sports bet there. Melbourne United legend. We're, yeah. we're jumping with straight away. No, yep. no, no. I think, well, that, you know what? They haven't won a championship since I left. That's true. So Is let's just ignore the on-court statistics. It must be the off-court team morale that just took a massive hit when I left. And there is a crater that they're trying to fill over there and they still haven't been able to do it. And of course, we're going to be dating again. How's it going, Ed? Yeah, nothing new. Just life's going well. That's good to hear. Good to hear. Um, anyway, if you, uh, we basically got to get through a few questions with Felix to start off with, and then we'll focus on some NBL topics in the past week. Um, there's quite a lot to go through, so um, hopefully this doesn't too, take too long. But our first question for you, Felix, um, I just want to, you know, Obviously, when your playing career ended, um, you, you joined Sportsbet. I mean, what led you to the opportunity to join Sportsbet and, uh, you know, do all the, the things there at the moment? Yeah, well, it's an interesting one. And, and I think it's I'm a strong believer in right place, right time. And when I finished up in the NBL after that year and, you know, I was sitting there thinking, oh, geez, do I, do I just hustle and grind and, and try to get a spot on a moving through or do I just sort of I'd always wanted to do media related things and I just luckily got a phone call one day the NBL had signed on with Sportsbet as a partner and they were looking for someone to um you know do the pre-game integrations and stuff like that so a bunch of guys went and did uh screen testing and stuff like that and eventually they they chose myself and uh Mark Worthington were though to jump into that position and then it just sort of worked on from there I got along with the guys well got on to starting to do a little bit of content. And then as soon as I got into horse racing and, and stuff like that, it sort of eventuated into the role that it is now where it's sort of footy, combat sports, UFC, boxing, horse racing, and all those sort of things. So yeah, it was, it was, it was very much a, your life can go and you guys are lucky. You got plenty to go very young, but your life can go in so many different avenues. And, and it was just a phone call for me, which yeah. you, you never know. I could have been an accountant. I could have been sitting over as an accountant or something like that at the moment if you don't get that phone call. So it was, it was luckily someone at the NBL thought, you know, this guy loves to talk shit. I remember him. I'll, uh, I'll put him forward for it. And then, yeah, it was, it was I'm very, very grateful for that and still always keep in touch and thankful for that person that reached out. So, yeah, it was, it was pretty much right place, right time, but it's, but it's flourished into something that I really enjoy. That's great. Um, and that podcast with uh, Peter Hooley, how, how did that come about? Was that, I know you initially well, were... That came um, about with... Yeah, you're initially with Corey and... Uh, yeah, with the boys. With, yeah. And then you... Were though on Homicide. Yeah. And that was funny. And, and that was one of the first ones where there where there were this... There was no real podcasts out there that were, you know, of, of a decent production standard 
that was sort of separate to the league. And, and we brought that out. And, and of course, we're though, you know, we, at Sportsbet, we're a little looser with the rules of what we could do. And, you know, we're though, we're swearing every second word and almost just jamming them in there just to drop the F-bomb as much as possible. And it was a good avenue for homicide and stuff like that. And look, where though started it up, where said he wanted to do the podcast and we had a, what would he call it, the tech or something to start with. And then it was something else. And I called it the wrong name for the next six mm. weeks. And eventually we landed on, <laughs> trash talk but no it was a really good dynamic and it was a really fun dynamic with Wertho and um homicide but unfortunately you know Wertho had to head over to wa in a relationship over there and blah blah, blah. his dad got a bit unwell which he's all doing well now which is fantastic yeah and then we're sort of working out what to do with it next and we wanted to keep it that sort of completely separate to the NBL and we've always stuck by that. And I know we got, we got Mr. Pete Hooley, who's an NBL <laughs> employee at the moment, but he does, he does his best, but um, yeah, homicide. We just sort of thought homicide was doing overtime as well. So it was a bit hard to juggle both of those. Cause you've only got, there's only so much that happens in the NBL. So the hard thing was there and homicide decided to go and, you know, focus on the overtime stuff. And then we had to fill that role, but look, Hooley's done a fantastic job. He loves getting in there, but I just yeah. keep trying to catch him out on being a United loyalist. <laughs> I've severed my ties. I'm off. Yeah. But Peter Hooley loves that cash coming from the NBL, but he does a good job. <laughs> yeah, he does do a good job. Um, and then have, have you ever considered going into like a coaching or managerial role, whether that's in the NBL or like any other professional basketball league, like NBL one, has that ever been um, considered or like maybe something you want to do down the track after sports bet? I think any anyone that knows me knows that I would be the worst coach on earth for multiple reasons. One, the coach has to be the one saying to the players, no, you can't go to the bar and get smashed on every road trip. But unfortunately, if the coach is doing that, it probably doesn't set the best precedent. So I like to go out and have a good time. As a coach, you've got to be a little bit more disciplined, especially, you know, the, even the NBA one um, level. But a, a managerial role, again, I, I would actually love down the track and I love the wagering world. So I can't see myself leaving the, the wagering world anytime soon in, in a gambling sense, but I, I would actually prefer to sort of sit in that sort of GM role and that sort of stuff, yeah. which of course is a longer down the track sort of thing, but I would love to be involved with a sporting organization. But again, I'm sort of, I, I could never fit into a coach. I was falling asleep when we had film sessions. I was, you know, I could watch a whole game and I, some, sometimes I got to watch it back to tell you who played well. So I've got, I've got to sort of, you'd look at the game in different senses. So some people look at it through just a tactical sense, whereas I look at it through the sort of storylines that I find entertaining, which is why it works for, you know, when you do a podcast and you analyze the league from that standpoint. But when you talk X's and O's, geez, I would be, we would lose by 50 every single game. But I'll tell you what, we've been having a lot of fun off court. That's fair enough. Well, what was your college experience like at Eastern Washington? Would you like, and the second question is, would you like go through the NBL and some college or like looking back now? Yeah, that one's such an interesting one because when I and, and my college experience was fantastic and it was the first year was tough. Like I said, at the end of the first year, I said, I'm not, there's no way I'm going back to Cheney, this little country bumpkin shithole. But then eventually I was like, you know what, I'm going to come back in the next three years are the best three years of my life. And I absolutely loved every minute of it. And I think that's the biggest thing for kids going over now, getting over that first year. And it's probably a, a sentiment for anything you do, whether it be work or whatever. Once you get through that first year, it's a lot easier there. You've got relationships, you've got friends, you know the campus, you know where the shit food is, where the good food is, you know where the night spots are at, you know where they don't check IDs at the bar, that sort of stuff. So once you come back for those other years, it's a lot more um, enjoyable. But now it's a different beast. And I'm a strong believer that 
going to college, if you're a Josh Giddy type, then yes, NBL, yes. if you are a top level prospect, then the NBL is a place to go because you're playing within a system that you sort of know the Australian basketball college systems can, anything can happen. Absolutely anything. They could get a five-star recruit transfer and all of a sudden you don't play if you're Josh Giddy. You just don't know. Yeah. Whereas here, they're going to nurture you. You can play. You're playing against men. So you are prepared better for the professional game by playing that as early as possible, but you have to be good enough. So I think some guys are jumping into that a little bit too early and, you know, taking the development player route for two, three years. I would much prefer them because when I went over to college, I was steadfast on, you know, I just come back from the AAS. There is, I want to do nothing but play basketball. That is what I'm going to do with my life. It is set in stone. But as soon as you go over to college and you get all these other experiences, and I encourage anyone to go over and study in another country. I'm going off on a tangent there, but study in another country if you have the opportunity. Even for you boys with sort of media and that sort of stuff, just getting overseas is fantastic. On a hard run, but yeah. you have so many experiences. Yeah, <laughs> a little, little harder than you, you hang on. <laughs> but you get so many experiences. Where I left college and I was like, geez, I, you know, basketball's fun, but I'm not sure whether I want to do that for my career. There's so many other things that I'd want to do. And I considered staying over there. And, and a lot of guys find that. And look at the end of it. It's like, okay, you, you had a great, you know, you came back, you played NBL for a while, but did you get the same experiences that you do playing college basketball? And, and again, and I was very lucky that I had a coach that allowed us to flourish off court. You know, we'd, we'd go to Vegas and he'd say, boys, I'm turning a blind eye. Go enjoy your night. You're college students. Who was <laughs> your coach? Dennis Frogman? Wake up. No. <laughs> <laughs> the closest you could get to Dennis Rodman, Jim Hayford, and, and a guy that I, I continue to catch up with to this day. So, you know, I'll call him, text him and stuff like that. He's one of the one of my closest friends is my college coach, Jim Hayford, who's now coaching at Seattle U. A couple of Aussies there as well, Kobe Williamson and a few others in the pipeline. But again, yeah, I think if, you, if you're an NBA prospect, a high-level prospect, a Will McDowell-White, a Josh Giddy, the NBL is the route for you. If you're just another player, then you've got to take the life experiences because you're probably not going to be sitting looking at those millions of dollars. And there's no point trading that in, trading the experiences you get in college for, you know, 150,000, 200,000, if you're lucky as an Aussie in the, in the NBL. Yeah, that's a great answer. Um, yeah, obviously there's Hold a lot on. of DPs. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of, um, I think it's the like, guys like Tane Murray um, for the breakers this year and uh, the Jack Jumpers new recruit. They're like, just turned 18 and they're deciding to become development players. And now they're, they're going to the college after they're like not wanting to get paid so they can keep their college. Um, so they can play in college eventually. So um, yeah. Would do you still reckon players that like just turned like summer aren't old enough to play um, college yet? Like I'm pretty sure Tyson Daniels, who's a probably the next big Australian prospect. Um, you know, he's I'm pretty sure I've read he's too young to be in college next season. So do you, do you think it's a good idea for guys to, um, you know, start off in, as a DP for one year, learn the professional roots, then go to college? Oh, for sure. If you can do that, get involved with an NBL program as early as possible because there's so many little things. Like you, you think of Daniels and, and all these other kids. Like I look at Southeast Melbourne Phoenix at the moment. You know, if they had a young guard and they don't at the moment, but if there was a young guard like Daniels, you're learning off guys like Adam Gibson and you learn all these little veteran savvy techniques and playing against men, it just makes it so much easier when you go over there because the college game's physical, but there's a difference between men and it doesn't matter how strong and athletic college guys are, whether it be the ACC or whatever it is, old men are just physical and they just don't care. 
And it's guys like Adam Gibson and playing against guys like that daily at practice. doesn't matter if you don't get on the court or don't play at all. You're playing on the scout team, so you probably get to play against them more than you would be if you were on the starting team. So I think that's definitely the move for guys to be involved as early as possible. And I'm not, I know it's hard sometimes because they're up at the Institute and stuff like that. And, and, and that's a whole nother topic about what the Institute does to get these guys playing against older bodies. Like it used to be great when they were involved in the Siebel and we saw some of our best players in Australian history come through, you know, the Bogats and the Paddy Mills when they were playing in the Siebel and every single week they were playing against grown men and stuff like that. So I'd love to see that come back in a sense, but yeah, the sooner you can get involved in a professional program, get involved. Yeah. Good. Um, obviously you're playing NBL one for the Melbourne Tigers at the moment under uh, Dane Pinu's dad, Brad Pinu. Um, NBL one stats. I've looked them up. Um, sometimes they can be a bit incorrect here and there I've seen, but uh, it does say you're averaging 20 points per game and five rebounds. Is that correct? You reckon that's correct? That that is correct. Well, I think we'll 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 stop before you put the percentages on there. <laughs> You'd have a thirty-three point game, I believe. But um, you're obviously having pretty solid NBL one season. You're up there, um, at the moment. Um, but do you still believe? Do you still have hope that you can get an opportunity one day in the NBL again? And um, whether that's even an injury replacement for a couple games. I mean, um, if you have no. a solid, <laughs> no, have not a solid not at NBL all. One season, they they yes. would they would have to open the checkbook. I think, um, no, I, I, lo- I love I love what I'm doing now. And, and it's the problem is with when you work in something like the wagering business, there, of course, is a conflict of interest. <laughs> yeah. If you were to be playing yeah. in, in one of the leagues that you cover. No, you're not matching. What are you sense, about? No, yeah. <laughs> but no, I, I'd, I'd be very happy just, I'm very happy just to continue watching and stuff like that. I have absolutely zero desire. And look, if someone turned around, tomorrow and said we'll offer you x amount of money for a five-year deal I, I would say no just because i'm i'm so comfortable in the route that i've taken i was i was never you know sitting around practicing for two hours a day and then you've got the rest of the day you know i don't play computer games or anything like that i don't play playstation i, I wish i could but i shoot at the air when we're playing cod i just cannot control those goddamn controllers but a lot of these guys you know you've, you've got so much spare time during the day I, I can't deal with that i have to be doing something all day every day and I just didn't find that with professional sport in the, just the year that I played, I just found myself, you know, walking around the backyard, stuff like that. So it's, yeah, no, I would definitely, I'm definitely happy with, with where I'm at now. Fair enough. And that'd be a desperate team. That'd be a desperate, <laughs> desperate team if they came knocking to me. <laughs> Speaking of your professional route, how did you feel like winning the championship in United and all those boys? Oh, it was, it was fantastic. Yeah, yeah, it was cool. And you know what the crazy thing is? I still haven't watched the doco. Mm. I still haven't watched that. Really? But um, I, I have been meaning to get around because Tom Vandervoorse, the guy that was was running that and doing media, is fantastic and does an unreal job of all that media stuff. But no, there, there's and that's the thing. And that's what it's all about with professional sport. Like that, I'd take that every day of the week. If you said you could feel like that every single day, and even though I was injured and, and not even playing in that game, or in that series, you know, I did my knee halfway through the year. It was still, that's what you play for. So that's what these guys are happy, putting the two hours in a day, you know, sitting around, doing, doing other things. That's what you play for. So if, you, if, I, if I could just have that every day, oh, geez, I'd hang, I'd hang, hang up the wagering game tomorrow and I'd get straight back into it. But no, it is fun. And it's, um, I actually, there's a funny story with that when I was dating a girl at the time and she was going to come down. So there was that awkward week off before the final. So she was going to yeah. come down the week before, hang out, all good. It was a long distance thing. And then she changes the ticket 
And then she comes down and I, I thought we were going to roll Adelaide in three games. Like we were that much better than Adelaide that season. I was like, okay, we're going to roll them in three games. We'll celebrate, go on a bit of a bender. And then um, we'll catch up after that. But she comes down and, and she's with me while we're celebrating the championship. So I don't know whether you boys are in relationships or stuff like that, but it involves a certain amount of attention. So unfortunately, you know, I missed the, the yacht party on Larry's boat and other things because, you know, I had to yacht party, take care geez. of the old girl. Um, in Melbourne, oh, yeah, the yacht party. There was, you know, Dave Anderson's got a nice bigger boat in Frankston right on the water. I'm sure the boys spent a couple of days there. And no, it's yeah, the, the best part of the championship is probably the five days after or if, if you're some the month after. But um, yeah, no, it's it's just celebrating with the boys after that. So yeah, yeah. Is there is there anyone um, you reckon behind the scenes like in that Melbourne team that you know fans wouldn't expect from them? Whether that's like Chris Gordon's leadership off the court, or you know how Casper Ware or or guys like Casey Proper imports how they how they are during the week. You know, separate from you know where they are, where they normally live in the US. So, you know, is there anything different? I think the the one that would first of all Casey Prather one of the best guys that I ever played with both as a player and as a dude, the guy was funny. He was always in a good mood, injuries, anything. The guy was always in a good mood. You wouldn't find a guy in the league that didn't like playing with Casey or being around Casey. One of, one of the, I cannot speak higher of him and I'm glad to see that he's playing well overseas at the moment. I hope that one day we see him back in the NBL. I'm not sure whether we will just with the injuries and all that sort of stuff. It's a bit of a risky one. But the one that always surprised me, and I think that a lot of people would be surprised, because Chris Golding, of course, comes across as a little bit, you know, something a yeah. bit arrogant, flopping here and there. He likes to fire up the crowd. But his leadership was what shocked me when I came back from college. Because I always knew him as, you know, the flashy scorer, that sort of guy. But he was the truest leader on that team when we won the championship. And that surprised me. Like, he was our captain. When he was elected captain at the start of the year, I was even like, geez, is Chris the type of guy to be a you know, lead a team as a captain. I sort of put that role more to like a Dave Barlow or or something like that. Even a Dave Anderson is sort of a captain guy, but he just blew it out of the water and he's unbelievable as a leader. I think you see it when Chris is out of that team, how much it affects them, whether he's scoring or not. He is the ultimate leader. He's vocal. Yeah. He looks after guys. So yeah, I think people would be surprised how much of one, a good dude that Chris Goulding is and isn't like the persona that he's made out to be by Wildcats fans and... yeah. And Sydney fans who hate it when he flops and stuff like that. But no, no, he's loved by his teammates. And I'll tell you what, he, he is a very good leader. Awesome. Um, big question here, but um, trying to focus away from, from your life. But do you think the NBL have the potential, has the potential to be as big as a league as, say, the A-League or the Big Bash League in Australia during summertime? And if so, if they have that potential, what needs to happen to make sure that the NBL can keep growing and reach that target? Oh, for sure. And and the, the worst thing is that I think we were on that trajectory to take over. I, I, I honestly believe we've taken over the A-League. I, I, I think know, in I terms of like when you look at, yeah, I, I, whenever we have sort of production meetings for any sort of shows, you know, whenever we talk about stuff with SCN and all that sort of stuff, the NBL comes before the A-League now. People are genuinely interested and it helps because we've got Aussie talent that's going over and playing at the highest level yeah. over there in the NBA and we're seeing those pathways and, and that's the interesting stuff. Yeah, when COVID hit at the worst possible time, Lamello, yeah. like stuff yeah. like that. Like it's really putting the NBL on the map. And just in the way that Australian culture is, as soon as you start to garner some American respect, everyone's like, oh yeah, yeah no, it must be, it must be good then. So it's yeah, that it's just sort of American fetishization. I'm not even sure if that's even a word, but <laughs> that's what it feels like. But no, I think that before COVID hit, 
we were heading towards that. And I say we just like, I don't work for the NBA or involved, but I, I always say we just because I'm so heavily invested in yeah. this league being successful. I think we're on that trajectory to yeah. be sort of a big bash type. United selling out games. Wildcats, of course, selling out games as always. Southeast Melbourne, there's a rivalry brewing. And then bang, COVID hits. And all of a sudden we're stuck with yeah. this season that feels like it's taking seven years to be completed. Yeah. Like I feel like, Warriors played Southeast Melbourne a hundred times. God, I do those pregame integrations, and it's like I've, I spoke about this game four times last week, and now I'm talking about it again. Nothing's changed. What a couple of but I think there's a little bit of that, and yeah, <laughs> but it's um, I, I think in maybe four to five years we'll be at the level where it's really, really big. Yeah. And I, I think it's just braving this period here, remaining steady. And I, we are lucky we've got a dude like Larry Kesselman at the helm. Because mm, if exactly. we didn't have Larry Kesselman, someone else without as big a kahunas as that man <laughs> would have pulled the pin after COVID, everything like that, because it's tough. It is not making money during COVID. And that's just the reality of the situation. And we don't get the same government bailouts that a lot of sports do. But yeah, we've not yeah. only got a bloke with deep pockets, we've got a bloke who genuinely cares about basketball. He's not just caring about yeah. the NBL. He's saving the NBL one. He's working with the WNBL. He's doing absolutely everything. And I hope one day he gets the respect that he deserves yeah, he gets on that front. He, shouldn't he gets a lot of hate from people that just do not understand money. Yeah. They don't understand business. How and any where, of that and stuff where the NBL works. was like five or 10 years where ago. Where the NBL was. Yeah. Oh God, when Basketball Australia had control of it, it was just going. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. We and then Larry comes in and saves, saves yeah, yeah, and then Larry comes in and saves the day, and all of a sudden he's, he's public enemy number one. That that pisses me off more than more than anything in the yeah. NBL. But no, I think with the trajectory that's going and the plans that they have for it in the future, broadcast deals, stuff like that. Because as soon as money and and, and word is that there's going to be some cash in the the million dollar figures for next year's streaming rights deal and stuff like that, as these streaming networks KO Stan yeah. start to get involved, Stan, Jesus. Stan, yeah. and another one that's that's right up there um, with the yeah, I know we might want to get a couple more members on Stan before we do it, but at least that's got the um, that's got the connection to Channel Nine and free yeah. to air is the oh, king. Okay. The glory days for basketball when it was Stephen Quartermain commentating on Channel Stephen Ten, Quartermain. and that's yeah, yeah I know. <laughs> it feels like it all it feels like the old days. I feel old. But, yeah, but that was the glory days, and that's what they need to get back to. So if you've got to take a hit in terms of all games being broadcast, just so you can have two or three on the major network at a prime time then you've got to do it. But I do think I have, I have all the trust in the world and Larry and his team to be able yeah. to get it to that thing. And I think we will be, you know, big bash level within the next four to five years. Well, yeah. yeah, this is just a bit hit because of the COVID because AFL is starting NRL. And normally we don't have many, like, it's just tennis that normally goes on during summer. That's big. Oh, it's absolute horror show. The fact that they are selling 3,000 tickets to a game shocks me at the moment because we've got don't worry, across the road. Tonight. Yeah, yeah, stuff like that, like like tonight's game, and I'll, I'll be I'll be heading there tonight. I'll see but you it's going to be yeah, <laughs> give you a wave. But it's going to be it's going to be tough because look, there's people have school tomorrow. Yeah, people have work tomorrow. Stuff what like are that. Playing it's a family as well event. Here. You just that's what I don't get. Yeah, they're playing Friday nights, competing with yeah. footy. It's not going to no, happen. No, it's and not right that. now, it's they just that's what's the yeah. domestic yeah. rep basketball. Yeah, and you look at also yeah. with, with NBL one as well. NBL one's taking place. Yeah. So it's yeah. all of a sudden, yeah. you know, two or three mates are gonna go, oh no, he's playing, we can't go. In terms Big of the business world as well, the corporate money is going to footy. So if companies like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna treat our clients or whatever to an event, what's going on? Oh, it's the NBL. Okay, we'll buy a box. 
you're not going to buy a box at the moment. You're going to go to the footy just because it's the major sport in yeah. Victoria. So it's just there's a reason that we don't usually play basketball at this time in this season in <laughs> Melbourne, in Victoria, <laughs> and in a lot of places. But unfortunately, yeah, it's just a, a victim of the situation, and and yeah. we're going to get into it next year. It's going to be fine. Yeah, it's going to be a quick turnaround, so it's fine. Yeah, I mean the NBL were yeah originally in the right winter time, it. like 10, 20 years ago, and they were still getting massive crowds. So I I'd, I don't know what happened during that that two thousands time. It just like dropped off out of nowhere. There was a point where you're just, you know selling out Rod Laver Arena between the the two Melbourne teams. And now it, and then it just went down. Gazy retired. Just, no, but even like, yeah, it's a, a lot of mismanagement. Yeah. There was, yeah, yeah a, a lot of stuff that goes on behind the scenes with these things when it's, you've really got to have someone that's willing. If you're a minority sport in Australia, you've got to have someone that's willing to fight for yeah. it. And you look at the NRL, they're not a minority sport, but you look at the way that Volandis just digs yeah. his heels in and makes sure the NRL is front of mind. You need guys like that. And then luckily we've got one. Yeah. in larry so there's yeah. a couple of sports like the a league has had trouble with management through what they're doing so you, you look at the position that they're in now sort of you know really struggling for right, super rugby other sports that are just struggling yeah. yeah it used to be huge and it's all about getting big name players as well so you know yeah. if, if the nbl landed on aging kamala carmelo um, anthony or something like that like Del, the a league ronnie james jr is the next day you just never know like del <laughs> no, Piero I, 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 when he signed with sydney fc yeah 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 so yeah, um, hopefully it gets gets to a stage where it's it's one of the top top leagues in Australia again. But definitely, well, needs I thought that's why they put a cup in though. Yeah, is that why they put a cup in? Yeah, the know. cup's a weird one. Yeah, the cup was sort of there because you need to reach a certain amount of games in order to trigger broadcast contracts, sponsorship oh, contracts, all that sort cup. of stuff. So you need to play a certain amount of games. So that NBL Cup assured that. They reach that game total, even if you know COVID's just breaking out in Melbourne. Well, hopefully not, no new cases, but don't, don't, stuff don't like that. You never know. We could have had another. <laughs> not going to jinx it. Not going to jinx it. And I'm not going anywhere near. If I don't see it tonight. I know why. So I'm staying away from that area. <laughs> but it's that sort of stuff. So, so yeah, I think they had to get that all together and and yeah. a contingency plan. But they want to keep it around next year, which uh, I don't know. I'm not going to agree with. I think just just. Where do I want it next year? I want it in the bin. <laughs> I'm not a fan of the NBL Cup. I reckon just keep well, the season I, as pure as possible. Evan, we don't need this gimmick. No. Sort just of do it before. Like, do you like a Blitz Cup kind of thing? Yeah, yeah. yeah, I understand that. And maybe maybe if they just did it with less games or something. But I'd, lo- I'd love to see it in. Look, Sydney talks themselves up as the bloody hoops capital. Well, let's put that there and see how yeah. many how many people <laughs> you get to, to those games. I reckon you might be dealing in the low single figures for exactly. a Cairns versus Perth game in Sydney. So yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll see what the hoops cat- capitals got if that happens. Yeah, um, we may as well move into some NBL topics from the past week. Um, a lot of signings, a lot of old heads back in the league actually, and um, the the major one the whole week it's been rumored the last couple of weeks is is Will Bangnay going to the Wildcats. That was huge. Um, came out of nowhere. A lot of complications as well um, with his contract with the Bullets and everything, but he just fits that team so well. But um, to you, Felix, what do you think Magne brings to the Wildcats in so few games? You know, he's recently arrived and he's just fitting to a new system straight away. Well, it's tough. And, and luckily, he's a big. The easiest person to fit into a team late is a big man because these big oafs, they just run around, they screen, rebound, maybe shoot a couple of pick and pop threes, stuff like that. So I think the biggest thing that this is going to do is allow Cotton to not have to work so 
hard for every single shot. Because right now, Mooney's a fantastic player. Don't get me wrong. I think that Mooney yeah. actually probably should win the MVP. And, and it'll be between him at the end of the year, which is crazy, between two yeah. Wildcats. But I think that it just allows... Mooney's not as good of a screener and post-defender as Magna is. So it mm. takes a little bit of takes a little bit of heat off them on the defensive end, but it also just allows... If you have Mooney and Magna setting like a horns yeah. pick at the top of the key, that makes life good very, luck. very easy for Bryce Cotton. And it also gives Mooney a bit of a break on the boards because right now he's you know he's keeping that thing afloat on yeah, the rebounding thing. So it's, double, double. If, if anything, yeah. Mr. Double-Double, if anything, an insurance policy, imagine if Mooney goes down, that team would have been cooked otherwise. But now that yeah, they've got Magnan, I reckon they've got him at a decent price. They've got the insurance and they can also nullify Jock Landale a little bit. Landale's mm. still a better player, but they can nullify him a bit, which at the end of the day, they're gearing up to beat Melbourne United. They could care yeah. less about any other team. They are building this team right now to beat Melbourne United. If I'm the Perth Wildcats, I'm sitting at practice, not even worrying about who I'm playing next week. I'm going through <laughs> Melbourne United sets yeah. on the scout team and just getting ready for a bulldog of a five-game series. Yeah, we'll can- find out tomorrow. What, I mean, yeah. Is it tomorrow? We will. Yeah. Tomorrow, tomorrow I mean, is... Who's Melbourne. on tomorrow? Perth, Melbourne. Yeah, I think it's at Melbourne. RAC Perth. Arena. Again. So be... See, that's what I'm talking about. Again. <laughs> oh, these teams are playing each other. Yeah. 500 times. But but do you that's think that... Phoenix and Perth to start. I was so confused. I had like four games in a row and I'm like, just move on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, you think Perth and Melbourne are just the clear grand... It's the clear grand final series now. There's no one, you know... Clear. ...going to beat them. No, 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 no. I think, and especially once you get into... Because they're going to finish top two. And the issue is that maybe a team can surprise them here and there. But when they've got home court advantage... You're not going to beat a Melbourne are dominant at home. Well, it's, it's pretty hard to not beat when you play every game at home. And, and the Wildcats as well, very hard to beat at RAC. So they're going to take care of Sydney and whoever. And credit to Sydney. I rag on Sydney a lot as a city, yeah. as a team, <laughs> as an organization, yeah. as a front office. But, geez, they've absolutely stepped up during this. And look, I, I don't think they're going to have the cattle to be able to challenge over three games. They might win a game but I just don't think they can win a three-game series. But whatever they do, they've had a season far exceeding my expectations with, well, with what they've done. The system, you know? But no, I don't think any team can challenge. Yeah, they're putting it. cooks on the I don't team think uh, either team's playing. going to challenge. Yeah, putting cooks. That's, that's the thing. They've got some weird thing going on. Well, I think yeah. we might see cooks you know, a little bit towards I... the end of the year, but it's just going to be... It's just yeah, going to be so late. Him on so they can make him qualify for finals. That's what I'm calling yeah. it. That's why it's got him rostered. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah, there's always some, there's always some shifty moves. There's some, yeah, but there's obviously, a loophole. There's always a loophole. Yeah, we saw David Anderson, <laughs> the, the old head back. He's forty. He's turning forty-one. If if Melbourne make the grand final series, he's got to be forty-one in that series, which is is crazy. I saw him running up the court, and he he definitely looks like he's forty-one years old. But um, I think, do you think Melbourne? <laughs> Melbourne, as soon as Jack White went down, ACL, terrible, terrible injury. Um, do you think Melbourne will regret, regret not signing an import at that time? Now that Perth's, you know, loaded with Magne and Mooney, do you think they've got to regret not getting that import for when Mooney and Magne's in that front court stopping just Landau? Yeah, it'd be an interesting one. It's an easy one for them to look in hindsight. I think the roster they've got at the moment probably leaves them where they're like, okay, well, we, there's no point spending more money on an import. What are we going to bring in here? We've got enough talent on court. You bring in a guy like Dave Anderson, who I'll tell you about his nickname in a second, but you bring in a guy like Dave Anderson, the winningest player in basketball in Australian basketball history, probably 
to be dead honest, one of the most winningest players across world basketball. Definitely. I'm not sure so many players out there in the world have won as many games and as many titles as um, Dave Anderson has over his career. So just bringing a guy like that, and he knows he was there the last time they won the championship and he's going to be there this time. And Liam Santa Maria came out and said that he, and I agree with this, he's going to have a couple of games where he comes in and gives a really good 10 minutes. He might just play five minutes in a, in a game, but he'll give you a good five minutes. And you know, Kiwi, he's going to try to score the ball so he's gonna shoot those little photos he gets a couple going fires the boys up because everyone loves him and his nickname is gq because of course i've the heard guy that is, i've heard that he's got a before. bit of cash <laughs> gq he's got a bit of cash and he's the mayor he's the mayor of frankston he owns half the city but um <laughs> the reason they call him gq is because you know when you rock up to like a film session or something like that you'll just wear a pair of you'll wear a pair of slides sweatpants maybe a hoodie this bloke's rocking up in a pair of louis vuitton jeans gucci slippers you know, a big belt buckle, big Gucci belt buckle, a collared shirt with a flare collar. He just, he, he knows how to dress. Nickname is GQ, but yeah, he's, he's <laughs> oh, very, very, very well you know. loved by everyone at United. And yeah. Oh, geez. He puts the imports to shame in the fashion game. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, move on to the other signing, um, Jared Weeks. He was snapped up real quick by the Sydney Kings. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go to you first, Aiden. If you were the Kings and had the choice to sign either Dengadel or Jared Weeks right now, who would you sign? Weeksy. Glover's injured. Glover's not coming back. That's that's a, that's a, that's what all I'm reading to is. That's why it's Weeksy. I don't think Adele would have got along in that system, Sydney. But position-wise, yeah. they should have got Adele. But Weeks fits what they're going for. Yeah, Felix. Yeah, I, I think you definitely got to go with Weeks. And you look at Adam Ford's system, that they, they play like dogs. They play hard. And, and that's what Weeks does. So I think he fits fully into that. He's played at Sydney before. He's known by management. I, I think that's the perfect fit. And the issue with Dengadel is that Dengadel is such a high-quality player that he's going to look – he doesn't want to come in and play five, ten minutes. He wants to come in and play heavy minutes and prove – what he's capable of. He wouldn't have got that opportunity at Sydney and it may have caused, it may have ruffled a few feathers bringing in a guy that clearly has something to prove. Weeksy has nothing to prove. Agent 97, we know the bloke. Yeah. We know what he can do. He can come in, he's going to hustle on defense. He's going to give you energy and he's going to score the ball. That's what they need. So I think the hard thing is Dengadel is the better player in my opinion, Yeah. but Weeks he's the type of guy that you bring in late in the season to give you a bit of a spark. Yeah. Did you expect what we saw from Dengadel this season? I didn't know. No, not at all. Oh, completely. That preseason like, that game was... against Perth. I was like, oh, he's going to be. No, gonna be well, like, you look you know. at him. I, I thought, geez, this guy's going to be all first team. He's going to be def- all deep, all deep boy. First team. I thought he was just going to come in and absolutely blow it away. But look, I and think we underestimated <laughs> that Tyler Harvey's a very high usage guy. Justinian Jessup's a pretty high usage guy. It's a bit tough there for him to fit in. Yeah. And someone had to go there. Someone had to not fit. And unfortunately, it was Dengadel. But I strongly believe if you were to put him on a Cairns, Taipans team right now yes, and yeah, play him 40 minutes, we'd yeah. see what Dengadel's really made of. But unfortunately, he might have to do that through the European pathway. And, and hopefully, we get to see him back because I still think he's an NBA talent. Yeah. yeah. And, and we look at and you just you just can't tell. We look at Cameron Oliver right now. Of course, he was yeah. having a bit of a down year at times. Then bang, he's guarding Damian Lillard on a switch. <laughs> 10 days later after going home for personal reasons. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there. That's always an interesting use to the, the, the personal reasons, but good on him. We hope, we hope that he has all the, all the success in the world. So the, the more the merrier with NBA talent. Yeah. Go on, Ed. Go on, Ed. No, as I said, do you think Adele just proved it what he won't maybe in a boomer squad now? It's going to be tough. I think because Gorgon's the coach as well. I'm not, I'm not sure 
what that relationship's like because no one wants to get released. It just doesn't yeah. look good on your That's basketball I mean. resume. Like so I'm not sure whether that was a mutual. Yeah, was it a mutual release or, or, or what happened there behind the scenes? But look, it's going to be tough for Dengadel to make the Boomer squad anyway. I don't think anyone, or to make the Boomer's team, I don't think anyone thought that he was making that team. It was more of a development sort of guy. You're, you're bringing a lot yeah. of guys that are good defenders. So when you're in camp, Paddy's going against length, all different yeah. types of bodies. And that's why, you know, people always say, oh, why is Sobey not in the Boomer squad? Why is Mitch McCarron in over Sobey? Well, it's, you know, Mitch McCarron's a defensive dog. Yeah. So they yeah. need to. You want Patty going against guys. Well, that's why Nolo's in there as well. Like that. You want like the guys that are... Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you need guys that, it, at the end of the day, they, they sort of know which team they're going to take. But you've got to get people, okay, this is what pool we're in. This is who we're coming up against. We need players that emulate that. So sometimes you see guys that, well, how are they in the Boomer squad? Well, because they want someone to go at them for five days. It's like a chew <laughs> toy for a dog. <laughs> um, so Timmy Conrad, this one uh, shocked me the most. Um, he comes out of retirement to replace the uh, injured Cam Bearsell for the rest of the season. Um, Felix, how different had the season would have been for the Hawks had Cam Bearsell stayed healthy all season? It would have been huge. It was, it was sort of one position that they're lacking at the moment. And I think that we, we've all seen how good Cam Bearsell can be. And that's the part that hurts. Boomers, you know, he's playing rotation minutes at the Bulls. This wasn't yeah. a guy that was just bumming around. Like we've had a lot of guys that just sort of jump around like creaky sort of, you know, got on the roster. wasn't, he was playing rotation minutes at the Chicago Bulls. So it's very, um, very unfortunate there that the injury and stuff happened. But yeah, the, the interesting part with Timmy Conrad, who I believe was working as the community and events yeah. manager yeah. for, for the Hawks. Yeah. So this is the most small NBL club Illawarra Hawks things to ever happen. Jeez, we're, we're down a player who's injured. Who do we go for? Oh, okay, we got the team manager. Now nah, he's four foot two. We got the video guy. No, nah, no, nah, he's never touched the basketball. Timmy Conrad, bang. Community events manager. He can, jump he in can there. still put. But no, I reckon I think he can it, still put up twenty in the league though. He could easily put up twenty in the league. The guy is an elite shooter. I don't say that lightly. As a shooter myself, he is an elite shooter. I know he jumped into the NBL one last year and jumped in for a couple of games to help out. I believe it might've been Mount Gambier or somewhere he helped yeah. out and he averaged like 30 points. Like the guy's an elite scorer and he knows the system. Yeah. I, I think he'll be, he'll be fine. Probably won't play a huge amount of minutes, but you know yeah. what? I wouldn't mind having Harvey Jessup and uh, Timmy Conrad on the perimeter. It's pretty dangerous. Yeah, definitely. Um, big news through the week was uh, Cam Oliver signing a 10 day contract with the Houston Rockets. Um, obviously, he went back to America to look after his um, his, his wife who was having, having troubles with pregnancy. So he went over there for personal reasons. Um, and then he signs a 10-day contract uh, at Houston with just Sean Tate. You got Will Weaver there. You got a couple of NBL owners. You got John Wall. You got Dante Exum. The NBL connections go far and wide at the Houston Rockets. But um, his debut game, 13 points, a couple of boards, a couple of rebounds, um, was pretty solid in, in 19 minutes. But um, is there a chance we don't see Cam Oliver again next season? Yeah, I'd be surprised if we saw him next season. I think once you get a taste for the NBA, your your price goes up significantly, and especially when you put in a performance like that. So I think he'll be off to Europe, or hopefully for his sake, staying around and getting an NBA gig somewhere. We've seen guys get three-year, like DD just got a three-year deal off brick and threes <laughs> for a year for Sydney. So if he can get that, yeah. geez, I might be looking at the deal by the looks of it but um no I, th I think that cam oliver and it's a testament to the nbl like cam oliver was really good last year wasn't lighting the league on fire this year mm. and then goes over there and scores 13 points in 44 seconds yeah. like it's 
stuff like that it just shows how the nba stats can be inflated and stuff like that And there's a lot of guys who you think potentially you know aren't good enough to make the nba no no no, they're good enough to make the nba it's just as i said at the start of this podcast right place right time and cam oliver i believe you know with with what's going on with his wife he did head over there for personal reasons but there was probably a bit of an inkling like you know what i reckon i mean the agent saying that there could be a window for a 10 day so you it's a pretty dumb move to stay over here if one you've got a a wife who's in a high-risk pregnancy and two there's there's the chance for a for a 10-day contract especially with you know will weavers aware of him and stuff like that. So smart move by the man. I wish him all the best. Yeah, definitely. Um, I don't think he'll he'll head to Europe because he's on that he's on that two year contract for the Taipans. So if he get gets into an NBA deal, you know, Cairns Taipans, hopefully they uh, don't have a Will Magne situation or a or a well, they'll uh... take all the money they can get. <laughs> but that's the thing, and I mentioned that, and you mentioned you watch trash talk, so I did bring that up. That yeah. I hope it doesn't turn into another one where, uh, you know, an NBA club tries to strong arm an NBL club and say, hey, we want this guy. We're not paying a bloody buyout figure. So hopefully the Taipans, if they've got it, because they do have them on that next year, do get a bit of a buyout figure, you know, whether it be 100, 200,000, whatever it is, covers a contract. It's always every bit of cash to go for a small club is great. So hopefully they do get a bit of a bit of money on the back end. Yeah, definitely. Um, Josh Giddy, I swear we, we talk about him every week on this podcast, Aiden, but... <laughs> Um, he's just so good. He gets another triple double. He's third of the season. Um, but what well, didn't again, he want to collab with you? <laughs> yeah, Felix doesn't know this, but he he actually sent me a DM um, five years ago, six years ago now. I don't know. It's been a long time. He he wanted to join NBL News, and I regretly declined. Regret to decline. His. <laughs> so, but anyway, we we move on from that. Um, but um, there's a lot of talk again of him. <laughs> Of him shutting down the uh, shutting down the season, um, it, ju- it just keeps popping up. He has a couple good games, and thirty sixes might not make finals. And people keep saying he shuts. He's got to shut it down. I don't think it's got to be him that will shut it down. It'll be his management or Connor Henry or whoever's at Adelaide. But do you think after these couple games, if thirty sixes are clearly not making finals, you think he will? That's it for him in the NBL. Yeah, I, I think he should. I think he should shut it down right now. And, and it's not as much about protecting injury as much. I think that he, he plays a style where he's, he's remain, he remains pretty safe, but it's more just, you don't have a, you don't have a tough game or something happens. You know, you get a tech foul, you yell at the ref. You just, there's so many different variables that go into this stuff. You, the only place you can go here, he, he's just had, you know, three out of his last five games have been triple doubles. I reckon now's the point, but, and I've had this conversation with him. He's a fantastic kid. And I was lucky enough to watch him grow up. I know his dad really well. He's got a fantastic family. And I think he's just too good of a kid to go away from the team. And he genuinely believes, no, no, no. I've signed this Adelaide 36's contract. I've agreed to play for this year. And I'm going to continue to play out the year. I wish that he was a dick like me and just said, I would have had one triple double first game of the year and said, you know what? My ankle's a bit sore. I'm heading to Cancun. But no. Stuff well, like RJ that, got you know, they're, they're protecting their stock. And I think the... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. RJ, RJ's was legitimate. Lamelo was standing it, was in a moonbird at the game, and then he was at the nightclub in a pair of Gucci slippers. So <laughs> he was a bit of a different story. But again, that's what that's what you've got to do. You've, you've got to protect yourself. There's there's so much money at stake where no one can say, oh, you know, why wasn't he why wasn't he playing out there? It's like, no, it's better for the game if he remains healthy yeah, and ready exactly. to go. And I hate to even talk about, like, health. I think it's more just keeping his stock as high as possible. And we saw it with Dante Exum, where if you, you had a great world and then you just lock it in 
Yeah. Camp out. Your stock very rarely goes down when you're not doing anything. Your stock moves when you're doing stuff, but when you're not doing anything, it usually doesn't go down. If anything, sometimes the intrigue can go up. And I think right now, all the hype's around him, I'd lock it down, but I think he's, he's too good of a kid to, to yeah. do that. Well, yeah, you look at the other side. I mean, um, people are even calling him to shut it down before he had triple doubles. But now he's, he, ke- he just keeps getting better. And you see that his, um, his draft stock, the thing is, if he keeps playing, his draft stock is only got to rise. It's not going to fall if he keeps playing. So, Yeah, what's um, the progression of these 18-year-olds? Like, we yeah. forget that these guys come into the league. And that's why I say playing against men, if you, your game improves so much quicker than what it does playing against people of your own ability or even just less physical players. We saw it with LaMelo. They come in at 18 and all of a sudden they're a different player at the end of the season. Josh Giddy was, he was pretty reasonable. He's flirting with sort of, you know, semi three point shooting numbers, but his three point shooting's gotten a little bit better as well, but it's uh, yeah, no, he's a, he's a completely different player. And I'll tell you what I can't wait for. I can't wait for he gets into the pre-draft process and he's working out with, you know, one of the best trainers in the world. He's in the gym every single day. He's eating vegetables and rice seven times a day. They've got him on the best diets because the guy's big. And yeah. Waz is a pretty he's solid dude. Too. Like, he's and getting he's taller. Too. And when Waz played, he was a solid guy. So I reckon there's a yeah. bit that can build out onto that frame. And mm. when he gets into that pre-draft workout, he's shooting threes. He's 500 makes before you leave the gym. And the agent's sitting there with a checkbook saying, shoot, stuff like yeah. that. Then I think that's where we really see him come into his own so it's very tough to judge a player until they've gone through that process yeah exactly um i think that's all the questions we've gone through for you today felix um aiden you got anything one question what was that dame pin on it did he do his arm or like what's it go no so he just had a little scope on his wrist so there's nothing there but it looks so much worse than it is when you've got to be in that big cast yeah yeah. i was like i was like did he he do something else and i'm like i got so many messages after putting that up those people were saying oh did he break his arm what is it no 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 that's a like he'll he'll Hopefully, be playing in the NBL one for us at uh, some point, just to get some games under the belt. Yeah, yeah I don't think he comes back this um, season. It's gonna, oh, it's gonna be tough because bringing in a guy that late, you know, where where is Southeast Melbourne gonna finish? And and it's up to Simon. He he may well, no, just get Mike may coming. well play, but it's just you know you, you you get the knee right, and I reckon come to Melbourne, get it, play on the real show. Getting dropped <laughs> by Felix Van fifty points every week. That's play what, with Rich Creek and Ryan. That's what you have fun. Yeah, you might have. You can re. <laughs> Yeah, why would you play with them when you can rebound my bricks? He'd break the NBL one rebounding record if I'm shooting three for thirteen from the three point line. I guarantee you that. He can do what he did last year and get like twenty rebounds again. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No. Thanks. Get after it. Well, is that it from you, Aiden? You got easy. Well, I was gonna talk about no, nah, we won't talk about it. We'll save another. All right, all good. Um anyway, thank you again. Easy. Um, well no, no, I appreciate I appreciate you guys uh Appreciate you guys having me on. I absolutely love what you do with the NBL news and everything. I know it's one of my my go tos. I got notifications set on, so I don't miss many oh, posts. Really? Jeez, for you boys, it's great. <laughs> this is what this is what we need. And we talk about um we talk about growing the game and stuff like that. It, it's stuff like that. Independent content, like you guys aren't raking in thousands of dollars for making yeah. these posts. Like you do it out of your love for the game, and, and yeah. that's what really grows leagues. Yeah. Stuff like that, the grassroots stuff. So I think you guys, hopefully, you uh, people people appreciate. I know a lot of people, players as well, appreciate what you guys do. Yeah. Thank you. Anyway, thanks again for listening and uh, see you guys next time.